How did your recovery grow in 2016? I don't think it matters if you're just getting started or if you've been in the program for years. We can always continue to grow in our recovery. Welcome to episode 184 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Sarah, Elizabeth, Lucy, Larry, Natalie, and Michelle. They used the donation button on our website. Thank you, Sarah, Elizabeth, Lucy, Larry, Natalie, and Michelle for your generous contributions. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps a few others can. Before we begin, we would like to state that though we at The Recovery Show may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During this show, we will share our own experiences. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer, and I'm your host today. I want to start with a reading. A friend of mine posted this poem on a, a Facebook gratitude group recently, and it, it speaks to me of, of the theme of today's show, which is looking back at the preceding year, looking at how my recovery has supported me and helped me to grow and how it has changed in that year, and, and maybe a little bit about looking forward as well. The poem's titled The Journey. It's by Mary Oliver. One day you finally knew what you had to do and began, though the voices around you kept shouting their bad advice. Though the whole house began to tremble and you felt the old tug at your ankles. Mend my life, each voice cried. But you didn't stop. You knew what you had to do, though the wind pried with its stiff fingers at the very foundations, though their melancholy was terrible. It was already late enough in a wild night and the road full of fallen branches and stones. But little by little, as you left their voices behind, the stars began to burn through the sheets of clouds, and there was a new voice, which you slowly recognized as your own, that kept you company as you strode deeper and deeper into the world, determined to do the only thing you could do, determined to save the only life you could save. So I wanted to start by looking at how the recovery tools and principles that I've learned in this program have worked in my life in the past year, picking out some, I don't know, highlights and lowlights or something of the year. And uh, started by looking at how I've used recovery in my relationships with family and friends, how I've used these principles. And a big one for me this year has been acceptance. Acceptance of change, acceptance that people and relationships are not this year, what they were last year or the year before or the decade before. In particular, applying this principle of acceptance around my parents' declining health as they get older, starting to see their ability to to do the things that, that they used to do, the things that I remember them for. They're, they're not so able anymore. Since retirement, my father has been the main cook in the family and has always delighted in producing meals for us when we visit, meals for the family that, that we enjoy and that he's proud of. That's not happening so much these days. He's simplifying, and he's. And he told me he's lost his sense of, of taste, and that's got to have some effect. When, when it's, it's hard to taste what you've done, it, it probably reduces the, the pleasure in doing, I'm sure. We've also seen some sort of forgetfulness happening. Uh, we were there for Thanksgiving, and he left a, I forget, a towel or a pot holder on the stove that was hot. And 
it didn't quite start to burn, but it definitely smoldered and made some smoke, and that was kind of scary. And I've talked a lot about my mother's health, which continues to decline, continues to make me sad. What I learned in this program is there are things I can't change, and if I can be granted the serenity to accept those things, then I can be present. I can enjoy the things that that are still there. I can have gratitude for the things. I can have gratitude that my parents are still alive and that I'm able to visit them and that they're, they, they recognize me and welcome me when I, when I visit. And if I was spending all my time being angry or fearful or sad about the way their life is changing, worrying about what was going to happen in the future, I wouldn't be able to, to be there. I wouldn't be able to be present for them. I wouldn't be able to get very much out of visiting and probably leave more upset more fearful, more angry than I, than I came. And, and so using, using the tools that, you know, I first learned to deal with the alcoholism in my home, to be able to live, live a full life in the presence of, of alcoholic chaos. I can use those same tools to live a life in the presence of my parents' declining health. Learning to be realistic about expectations, about what I can expect from them and what I can ask of them. I've been challenging myself this year to to step up and do a few new things. A, a small example recently, a neighbor, as they had, I think, in in somebody had in years past, some neighbor, I don't know if it was the same neighbor, had sent out an email to the neighborhood saying, hey, wouldn't it be fun to go caroling, to go around the neighborhood and sing Christmas carols at other people's houses? I enjoy singing. I'm not the best singer. Uh, I feel like I sing a lot better when there's some accompaniment to keep me in tune, but it's fun. So my first thought was, I want to say yes. My second thought was, but there are other people who are, have already responded in this email thread saying things like, I usually sing alto. And I thought, well, I don't sing harmony and I'm, I don't know, baritone, tenor, something in that range. And I sing melody. And I was feeling like, if I went and as a tenor or whatever sang melody that I would be judged and to let go of that, I had to recognize that we were all mostly going to be amateurs and we were going to be out there to have fun, not to produce you know, exquisite choral music singing in the, in the cold on the sidewalk in front of somebody's house. And so I said, yes. And my wife also said, yes. And we went and it was a lot of fun. And yeah, I didn't sing in tune all the time. That was okay. I think there were other people who were not singing quite in tune all the time as well. And yeah, I forgot some words. And yeah, I couldn't read the the music in the dark. So it was not totally useful to have it along, but it was a nice prop anyway. But the main thing is that I pushed myself out into a little bit of discomfort and I had fun. And that's something that really I have learned from my recovery program is to try new things. Because, hey, what's the worst that could happen? And what's the best that could happen? And the best that could happen is I had a lot of fun. And the worst that could happen is I feel bad about myself. Because, honestly, nobody, I think, was listening to my singing and and judging me. And if they were, they weren't saying it. So that was just fine. It's not all about me sometimes. Another place in in my family and friends area that uh, new stuff is happening and 
I don't know why it seems so much newer this year, but actually seeing and getting to know my children as adults. They both turned 26 in December. So that's, that's a threshold because they're no longer on my family insurance. They have to be getting their own. And luckily they're both employed and they're able to have insurance. And they're both dealing with that. And they're both living on their own. And it's pretty amazing. Our kid who lives in Colorado came home for the uh, the holiday season, flew in early, early Christmas morning, and left early, early New Year's morning. So was here for basically a week. And it was nice. It was great to have them visiting. And it was nice to have them go, too. But we really had some time to to interact as adults, to talk about life, to talk about politics, which luckily we tend to agree on. Although, you know, this kid has a, a different way of looking at the world than I do. And sometimes that that leads to interesting conversation. And again, as I've said before here, I tend to be conflict avoidant. And so when I see that I might be disagreeing with somebody, my my tendency, my learned tendency is to keep my mouth shut. And I did that sometimes. And sometimes I thought, no, I, I need to say some things here. I need to, I need to disagree. And, and I was able to do that. And we were able to, to have further conversation. And I don't know whether either of us changed the other's mind, but hopefully we gave each other some, at least some food for thought. That's not something that really has, has happened a lot before. So that was cool. Another area in which I have seen the effects of my recovery working in my life this year have been in the way that I am approaching our financial situation, our finances. And we're generally in, in pretty good shape. I mean, really, we still have a fair amount of debt left over, let me say, from, from the years in which we were paying more attention to other stuff, and in particular, paying more attention to the drinking and the drinking situation and the various addictions around that. And so we ran up a lot of debt and now we're dealing with that. And I have fear about that. And I've talked about that before, I think, but I'm able to, I'm able to sort of work through the fear to, you know, when I ask for help, I ask for help in step six and seven, please help me with this, this fear of financial insecurity, the unreasonable level of fear of financial insecurity. I mean, obviously um, you know, being afraid of being financially insecure, I think, is not totally a bad thing. But being afraid at an unreasonable level, which I was, is is not healthy. It it doesn't help. It doesn't help me move through. It doesn't help me deal with it. Because again, my tendency is to stick my head in the sand and ignore it. To not look for the bad news until it is really right there in front of me. And and I, I'm immensely grateful that my wife has picked up a lot of the a lot of the day to day maintenance of our finances. I don't get those, those deep twinges of fear anymore. And I'm able to do things like look at the bank balance and look at the, the credit card balance and see that, yes, we are making progress. And in the past, I wouldn't have looked because of being afraid of what I would see. And now I can do that. And so that's progress. Not perfect at it, but, but making progress. And also starting to think about planning for what happens when I, when, when, when I retire, which is going to be happening. What kind of life do we want to have? How are our finances going to support that? And needing, haven't done it yet, but getting closer to making an appointment with a financial advisor at the, the firm that handles my retirement account to really start talking about this. Because 
honestly, I'm somewhere between five and eight years out from retirement, and it really is time to, to be doing that planning so that I have reasonable expectations about where I'm going to be and I'm able to set up the things that I need to set up in order to be able to do the things that we would like to be able to do in retirement. A place where I use my program a lot this year and as in past years is at work. And as I've pointed out, and you know, I spend about a third to a half of my waking time at work. A lot of my interactions with people are at work. There are a lot more people at my workplace than there are in my house that I have to interact with, that I have to have good relationships with, that we have to work together to get things done. There's also a lot of room for conflict as we maybe don't completely agree about how we need to do something or even about what needs to be done. And so I use my program tools to help me work through frustration and anger and expectations and the inevitable resentments that occur if I let those things build up. And one of one of the big tools that I've been really, really trying to apply this year and with, with mixed success, but you know, like I said, progress, not perfection, is the pause button. The, I want to respond right now, I need to hit pause and think for a moment. Is this really something I need to say? Is this really something I need to say right now? Can I wait? Can it wait? Can it wait till I've had time to think about it? Or can it at least wait until the other person has finished speaking? Um, I'm, I, one of my character defects has been that I'm, uh, uh, what's the word I want here? I'm an interrupter and using that pause button helps me to interrupt less, which enables and enhances communication. It really does. It's amazing how it does. I have been delegating more as my responsibilities have changed, as I've taken on responsibilities for uh, a new large project, uh, I have to delegate a lot of the stuff that I used to do myself. And I would do it, you know, it's stuff I enjoy doing, but it's stuff that other members of my team are capable of doing. And there are things I need to do that are, you know, not in their, not in their job description, not in their skill set that are in mine. And so I have to let go of, of some of the things that, that I really love to do so that I can do the things that I need to do. And learning to delegate and being able to delegate has been really enhanced by um, using program tools, using the tools of, of inventory to really discover what's mine and of prayer and meditation to be able to let go of some of the things that I'd like to do, but I just, I don't have the time. And also being very clear about how much time I do have and not overdoing because that has been uh, an issue for me all my life. My wife and I were talking with at least one of the kids recently. I don't remember if they were both there. And she said of me, yeah, he used to work all the time. He would, he would work around the clock. I can't do that anymore. I'm just really not physically capable of doing that anymore. And I'm not sure that I actually got more done when I did that. It just sort of felt like I was. But as you get tired, as I get tired, I don't work as effectively. If I do that now, if I do that too much, I get sick and then I really can't work. So learning to take care of myself is, is, and learning to not just to delegate, but to, to prioritize and to set boundaries on how much time I spend at work. When I come home, I try not to bring work home. And generally I don't bring work home. I took about a week and a half vacation, I guess, at the end of this year, still in it. 
At the beginning of the vacation, I recognized that I was having dreams about work, and I knew that a measure of whether my vacation was really being a vacation would be when and if, if and when I stopped having work dreams. And that did happen, and I think it really happened after only a couple of days, so that's pretty good. During the last week of the year, I was, I guess I still am for the next day or so, the person who's on call when there are problems. I figured that was pretty safe. Uh, Although I was on vacation, I was in town at home, and I brought my work computer home with me, so if I needed to deal with something, I could. And in fact, last night, I got an alert from our automatic system, and I went and looked. And basically, this was a low-usage alert. We have a, a website that is in use all around the world, and you know, the the evening, the nighttime on New Year's Eve to New Year's Day apparently is a fairly low time for people to be doing research on our site. We got a, I got a low usage alert that nobody had logged in for a couple of minutes, which perfectly normal. But I had to go look because it could have indicated that that something was something else was seriously wrong. So I went and looked. Took a couple of minutes. Was able to say, "Yeah, it's fine. It's okay. This is normal." resolve the alert, and go back to what I was doing. Along with pause and delegate is the discipline of letting other people speak and letting them speak fully and waiting until they're done speaking before I interject my opinion, before I respond to the question I think they're asking, which sometimes is not the question they're actually asking, as I was reminded by a coworker recently. And yes, I do get reminded by my coworkers about this stuff. And one of the reasons that that happens is because the really working this recovery program has made it possible for me to be reminded and to accept that feedback uh, without anger or resentment. And my coworkers recognize that, which is pretty cool. My coworker who came to me recently said something about, yeah, I know you like to be, you like to get feedback on how you're doing, and I have this feedback for you. And of course, I was like, ah, man, but recognize that it was good feedback and that the behavior that that my coworker was calling calling me out on was, was coming from stress, coming from the fact that I was feeling a little bit overwhelmed in what I was trying to do and that, that I needed to do these things of setting boundaries of delegating in order to reduce that stress. And also to be able to to recognize, oh wait, I'm going into this behavior. I can I can stop now. I can stop before I do it. That wonderful pre inventory from step eleven that happens sometimes when we're really working our program. It it did happen a couple times. One of the things that I really love about my workplace and that meshes so well with the with the program is the recognition that failures are an opportunity for growth. That when we have a failure, we look at it, we basically do an inventory on it. We say, you know, what happened? What assumptions did we make? What expectations did we have that were wrong? And what what systemic issues can we identify that we can address? And rather than having a culture of blame, we have a culture of, of growth, um, a culture that recognizes that failures do happen and that when they happen, it's an opportunity to make change to help prevent them from happening again. And that's pretty cool. Yesterday, I went to my step meeting. Yesterday was December 31st, right? Uh, New Year's Eve. And I went to my step meeting and our topic happened to be step four. We just rotate around the steps and we were on step four. 
which seemed really perfect for the day before the new year, because there's this tradition that we sort of look back at how we've done and we make resolutions or set goals for how we're going to do. And so the inventory is, is a big part of that. A couple of days earlier, my wife and my kid and I had gone to an exhibit at the local archaeology museum at the university that was about imperfection. And they identified three kinds of imperfection. This was imperfection, in, obviously, in, in archaeological artifacts from, from that museum, although there were also some current artworks exhibited, which was kind of neat. Is imperfection as, um, I forget the word they use, but basically as a failure of, of process. So this would include uh, fired ceramics that broke uh, in the kill or somehow bubbled or the, the glaze fused two pieces together. And they talked about how archaeologists can use those sorts of imperfections to learn more about how ancient people did things. So when I look at the imperfections in my life, I can, I can say, oh yeah, that's, that's because I acted in this way. And it gives me an opportunity to, to change that. The second category of imperfection was deliberate imperfection. I think they particularly highlighted some, some Japanese works where imperfections are deliberately introduced into the work to give it a little bit of asymmetry to make it more interesting and to make it, I think, a little more real, I think there's a spiritual component there about striving for perfection is, I don't know exactly, but anyway, so there was that. And then the, the third category was uh, repaired imperfections. But the other thing that they had there was they had an opportunity, they had these little cards that you could write on, what is your response to failure? And you could write on it and then hang it on a rack there, and, and there were probably at least a hundred hung up there and and I read a few of them and and you know I think the answers ranged from things like well I really get pissed off to this is an opportunity for growth to trying again I mean sort of the answers that you'd expect but it, I thought that was really neat that you know gave a little bit of an an interactive component and encouraged people to think a little bit about what's their response to to failure to imperfection then two days later coming to the step meeting where we're talking about step four, where step four, the inventory lets us find our, both our, our defects and our assets and the following steps give us a way to do something about it. You know, it's not just, Oh, this thing is wrong, but then I can do something. There's a way for me to change. And, and that whole sort of sequence of, of events came together nicely for me. All right. Enough on that. Another area in which um, I think my recovery program has really been encouraging me to focus this year has been in my health. Been having some some issues, uh, my body not working as smoothly as it used to. Parts of my body being, you know, a little bit of chronic pain, and just not not being able to do some things that I used to be able to do. Also, though, having started what a year and a half ago, making exercise a part of my life rather than a thing that I should do. I'm also seeing some real changes positively in, in my health and my fitness. So it's been something that I've been focusing on some issues this year. I've been working on diet. I've been working on exercise and I've been working on physical therapy to deal with some of the pain issues. 
it really has has to be part of my life. It has to be something that's ongoing. And I can tell when I stop paying attention. When I stop doing my physical therapy exercises on a regular basis, I can I can feel that the condition that they're addressing is 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 worsening. And so it's a reminder that these things that I do, just as I'm in recovery and I need to continue to work my recovery, I need to continue to work the things that, that I do to, to keep my health in, in as good a shape as it can be. And the, the program reminds me to, to continue to take care of myself and to pay attention to the signals that I'm getting from my body. And so when I get up in the morning and my body says, you're not running this morning, I pay attention to that and I will do something else instead. Or maybe, maybe not go. Yeah. And and speaking of recovery, in the program in particular, I challenged myself again this year. In that aspect, I did two open talks this year at, at the request of people in the area. One, there was a panel last spring about intimacy in alcoholic relationships or the effect of alcoholism on intimate intimacy or something to that effect. That was the title. And I was asked if, if I would share in that. And I really had to think about it for a while before I uh, was able to say yes. I had to think about what I would feel comfortable sharing, but also within that, whether what I had to say would carry the message of recovery and carry the message that I thought I wanted to be able to carry. And then I was asked in the fall to to give a more standard open talk. And that gave me the opportunity to sort of pause and say, well, okay, if I'm going to talk about what it was like, what happened and what it's like now in 50 minutes to an hour, how do I want to say that? What do I want to say? What do I want to focus on? And how do I keep the focus on me, my feelings, my pain and my recovery? And then I have to ask myself, well, in what ways this year was I a slacker? And that's a, that's a little bit of a harsh word. Okay. But in what ways did I not work to my potential? In what ways did I coast or, or slack as, as the, uh, I guess more or less current vernacular has it. One of the areas is in sort of in meetings, really, that meetings are a routine, which is good because I get to them. But sometimes I don't feel like I'm really putting my whole self into it. And this is something that I, that I want to maybe focus on a little bit more this year, this coming year. I don't know. And another area where I have felt, and I hear from you guys that I'm being harsh on myself here, but I felt in ways that I have slacked a little bit on the podcast. And then the main aspect of that is not planning sufficiently far ahead to bring in other voices more often than I, than I was able to this year. And I'm hearing from you that, that you like it, to hear other voices in the podcast. I like to hear other voices in the podcast. And and I have felt frustrated that um, I haven't been able to do that as effectively as I had at times in the past. And I think that's something I want to focus on in the coming year. Which brings us to what goals did I set for 2016 and how well did I meet them? With respect to the podcast, I set a goal of publishing an episode of the podcast every week during 2016. And I think I, I think I expressed this to y'all at the beginning of the year, but maybe not. And when I look back over 2016, I missed twice. I published 50 episodes. A couple of them were uh, best of, so-called best of or repeat episodes that uh, were previously published that I thought, or I, I heard from people that this was a good episode and, and that it merited 
publishing again, which is a little weird because, you know, it is a podcast. All the episodes are there on the website or maybe in your podcast app. And so what does it mean to, to rerun an episode in that case? It's not radio. It's not TV. You don't, you don't miss it if, if you don't hear it that when I publish it, because you can always go back and listen again. But, you know, I, I listen to things more than once. I read books more than once. So it's not necessarily, I don't know. Let me know. Is that a thing I should stop doing? Or is that a really worthwhile thing? And just on that note, I did have a message from a listener who suggested that I might republish the New Year's episode I did, I think, two years ago, because that listener particularly liked it. And I thought, you know, that would be cool. That would be easy. You can go back and listen to it. I'll make a link to it in the in the show notes at therecoveryshow.com slash 184. So I missed doing a podcast Memorial Day weekend and Thanksgiving weekend. And, you know, those are times when I just, there was too much going on and I didn't have time. I made 50 and 50 is pretty good. It's a lot better than I did the year before. So there you go. I think for 2017, thinking ahead momentarily here, I would like to have a goal of, of having more guests on the podcast, having a guest or a couple of guests more often than I have been able to this year. I will work toward that. And again, if there is a topic that you would really like to talk about and a time when you're available to do it, if you can let me know. And I usually try to record Sunday afternoons. That's my preferred time, but some weekday evenings are also available or Saturday afternoon can also work. And that's Eastern time in the U.S., five hours from GMT if you're not in the U.S. In the summer, it's four hours because of daily savings time. Another goal that I set for 2016 was a health and fitness goal. I wanted to run a 5K distance in 30 minutes by the end of the year. And I really thought I was going to do that. In October, I did a 5K distance in 31 minutes. And I was pretty proud of that. Like, that was awesome. And I was also pretty sore and tired afterwards. But I did it. And I thought, all right, only one more minute. And then, you know, the cold weather came and the dark came. It's harder to get up in the morning. And my gym routine is is morning before work is what works for me. Going in the evening doesn't work so well. And so getting up when it's dark is just harder. And I'm trying to be realistic here, not making excuses, just this is what happened. And so I was not able to improve that time. And in fact, went backwards somewhat. That That is what it is. And I don't know if I'm going to set that goal again for, for 2017, but I know that I am going to keep exercise as a routine, exercise as a part of my life, because it has improved a lot of things about just daily living and also has had effect on the sorts of things that, that doctors measure, uh, both my weight, my blood pressure, um, and some other numbers that, that they measure that uh, we're starting to creep up into not so good areas. They've come back and that's awesome. So I need to keep that, I need to keep that up and making it a routine, making it a part of my life, making it something that I do rather than something that I should do has been a big help there. And again, that's something I learned in recovery. Should is, is not a word that is helpful. Yoda said, there is no try, there is only do or something to that effect. And, and, and I learned this first with recovery meetings, you know, how can I go to a meeting once a week? Oh my God, an hour once a week. And, I found myself going to multiple meetings during the week and not having to feel like, oh my God, how am I fitting this in? Because I made them part of my life. And the same thing is happening with exercise, and that's a good thing. So goal for 2017 is to keep on doing that. 
just as I said, my first, I think it was my first New Year's Eve meeting in the program, or New Year's Day meeting, I don't remember which, it was one of those, and I said, I'm not going to make any resolutions this year except this one. I'm going to keep working this program. And that is a resolution that I've been able to keep every single year since then. And it's awesome. It's been a year of recognizing of what I can do, what I must do, and how to balance those. And bringing things into balance so that my life continues to be healthy, continues to be joyful, continues to be free free of fear, anger, and resentment. Happy, joyous, and free, as they say. So it's been a pretty good year. And looking forward to 2017, and we'll see how it goes. Love to hear from you. How was your year? What goals are you setting for the new year? What goals did you set for 2016? How did recovery work in your life? How has recovery been working in your life in 2016? And and what are you looking forward to in 2017? I picked music for this episode. All three songs that I picked were new in 2016, or at least newly published in 2016. And I picked one about the beginning of life. I picked one about sort of daily life. And I picked one about the end of life. I want to start with the the one in the middle. The song is called Day to Day. It's by an artist named L.A. Salami. He's a British, not quite rapper hip-hop, but very poetic. It's a very down-to-earth song. It's about daily life, about trials and tribulations, about getting through. And a little bit of a little bit of lyrics here. Took the bus, took the train, went to work, ignored the pain. What a rainy day, friendly faces, got dragged around all types of places. Closed my eyes, smelled your hair, looked around, but you weren't there. Had some lunch, jacket potato, chicken wings, and fried tomatoes. After that, lit a fag, said a prayer, and took a drag. You can see he's just sort of going through life, good and bad, and ordinary. You can listen to this song. I found a uh, an acoustic life performance, him sitting on a path in the woods somewhere. He talks about the song a little bit and then and then sings it. So this is on the website at therecoveryshow.com slash 184. In the next section of the podcast, we talk about our lives in recovery, what's happening in our meetings and in our lives this week, and kind of feel like I talked a lot about it already. It's a couple things to say. You know, people say, hey, how was your holiday, right? How was your Christmas or whatever? With it, along with the theme of not overdoing, of not having high expectations, our Christmas day, which was a Sunday, um, was very low key because we had gone to a Christmas Eve service the night before Christmas. And because it was a Sunday, our ministers decided to have a a brunch worship, if you will, a potluck worship, uh, rather than a formal service on Sunday morning. So we gathered, I don't know, maybe 30 of us gathered in the social hall of the church. We each brought a dish or so to share. We sang a little, we prayed a little, we ate together we shared our hospitality. We cleaned up afterwards together to be hospitable to the people who would be using the space after us, whoever the, that might be. We sang again in a circle, and we and we broke and went home. It was really peaceful and calm, very quiet. I think quiet's a good word here. Got home. Um, my daughter and her boyfriend came over later. We did the whole presence routine, of which 
there weren't as many this year as there have been in past years because we all made an agreement that for the most part we would make contributions to various causes in each other's name rather than giving physical gifts. So, you know, I got a pair of a, a couple of pairs of socks and that sort of thing. We got chocolate and coffee and cookie mix, which was awesome. We had a quiet meal together and then they went home and that was our day. And it, you know, it was not the, oh my God, I have to cram all this thing stressful kind of day that, that Christmas can be. It was very nice. And that, again, I think is a gift that has come to us from recovery, from recognizing that we don't have to do what we think we ought to do. We only have to do what we want to do. And that is, that is a real gift. And meetings were, were relatively small this week. People actually didn't go to my, my Sunday night meeting being Christmas Day. I didn't go to that one because we were still, I think we were playing, playing games after dinner before people went home. You know, I was enjoying the family and the, and the, the time together and didn't want to sort of break that to, to go to a meeting. Although I certainly have gone to meetings on Christmas Day before, but not, not this year. <laughs> the meeting yesterday morning, I was talking to a friend afterwards and he said, you know, a couple minutes before the start of the meeting, there were two of us here and we wondered if there was going to be a meeting. And we actually ended up with, oh, I, somewhere between, around 15 people, I think, which is pretty good for what's sort of a holiday weekend. Well, definitely a holiday weekend. I mean, New Year's Eve is more or less a holiday, but mostly the holiday parts in the evening rather than during the day. And the rest of the week has been taking it easy, um, being myself, not not thinking about work because I'm on vacation. And again, wow, what a gift that is to, to be able to say, I'm on vacation, I'm not thinking about work, you know. And maybe you haven't found that in your life, but oh, that's a gift. And so looking forward to the new year, there's a whole whole slew of topics people have suggested, and I really don't know what I'm going to do next. I was thinking about the question of trustworthiness. I'm still working through those those statements that are sometimes called the gifts of Al-Anon or the promises of Al-Anon. And I think we've done four episodes on that, so there's there's still a few more we can do. And if you're interested in one of those, let me know. love to talk about one of those with you, how that's working in your life. If you want to add to our conversation, you want to come in on today's show, you want to suggest a topic, you want to share your own experience, strength, and hope, you can call and leave us a voicemail, 734-707-8795. We also have a voicemail button on the website. You can join the conversation from your computer rather than using your phone. And if you prefer not to use your voice, you can send us email at feedback at com. All of these options for how you can contribute to the show, they're all brought together in one place on the website at com slash contact. So you don't really have to remember the email. You don't have to remember the phone number. Remember therecoveryshow.com slash contact. And that's also in the menu at the top of each web page on the, on the website, which has all the information about the show. It has notes for each episode, occasional blog links to the music and other things we talk about during the podcast and links to some other recovery podcasts and websites. The next musical selection before we look at your email and voicemail contributions is about the end of life. It's titled You Want It Darker. It's by Leonard Cohen. It was on a record that was released shortly before, I think shortly before he died this year. And it really is a song about being ready for the end of life. Although, as with so many of his songs that involve 
religious imagery involve God, he seems to have a very conflicted relationship with his higher power. Whether it's Hallelujah from his early career or this one from the end of his career. The song is masterful. He really is a a poet. Here's a few lyrics. Magnified, sanctified be thy holy name. Vilified, crucified in the human frame. A million candles burning for the help that never came. You want it darker. I'm ready, my Lord. I really hear the conflict there. Like, I'm ready to go. I'm ready you know, to come into your embrace, which seems to be his, his belief. But at the same time, not, not quite sure about it. Michelle left us a voicemail on the sort of open question about the content of the podcast, uh, solo episodes, episodes with guests, and open speaker episodes. Hi, this is Michelle, and I just listened to the anger episode, and I thought it was really good. And I like what your host was saying about open meetings. I don't care for them either. I feel like things get lost and meetings get lost. And I prefer if you speak. However, I do like when someone joins. It's always nice to have another point of view. I think when we have too many people involved, it gets a little chaotic. Thank you. Bye. And thank you, Michelle, for for your feedback. Um, I'm listening, and I'm going to try to take all these somewhat conflicting opinions that I'm getting from people into account. I I think the answer is about balance. And maybe that's my goal for 2017, is to have a good balance of content in the podcast. Mary writes, Hi Spencer, I'm responding to your request for feedback about the podcasts. I do agree that it is enjoyable to have a variety, and do really like listening to the open talks. It is certainly not a cop-out on your part to substitute open talks. I think every other or third podcast would be fine. Thanks, Mary. And again, thank you for the feedback. I will be working on a balance. Maria writes about gratitude. Episode 180 on gratitude was especially meaningful to me since I feel qualified to attest to its power and benefits. For almost three years now, I've consciously practiced gratitude daily, having read an article about a woman who, every day for a year, took a photo of something for which she was grateful. I wondered if I could do that. So it started out as a personal challenge. I, too, took photos and began noticing things that otherwise would not have crossed my radar. I started a Pinterest board called Epic Gratitude 365 Days, One Day at a Time, to document them. I began paying attention and being present instead of letting my thoughts wander to things I had on my to-do list. I began to appreciate people and situations I'd taken for granted. What began as a challenge soon developed into a fulfilling habit as I felt happier and less self-centered. I was more in tune with what was around me. Somewhere along the line, I began journaling my gratitude daily in my 10-year journal, something that allows me to review past years on any given date. Though I've been doing this for many years, I'm not always pleased with certain reminders of past events. I've discovered that writing about things for which I'm grateful pretty much guarantees a good read later on. For me, social media is a double-edged sword, and I often find myself to be judgmental and critical of things people post, especially at the 1st of November, when some people start posting gratitude in the days leading up to Thanksgiving. Then they stop once that holiday has passed. I'm grateful to know that gratitude can be felt all year long. So I started a closed Facebook group called 5Gs a Day and invited some friends in the program to post five things each day for things they were grateful about. 
Its growth and participation has been like a tsunami, with friends inviting friends to join. More and more people are experiencing the joy and benefits of practicing daily gratitude. It's pretty awesome. I invite you to join if you're on Facebook. Anyone can join, but since I'm the admin, I have to approve. Thanks again for everything you do, and particularly for a show on the topic of gratitude. Happy New Year, Maria. And thank you, Maria, for for that testimonial, um, for that sharing of your personal experience, strength, and hope. And for those of you who may be concerned about um, Maria's anonymity, I did ask her about that, and she said she was perfectly comfortable with me um, talking about reading her letter. So thank you, Maria. Thank you so much. Akila called in a little bit about keeping it simple and also about sharing the program with our friends and relatives, our loved ones. Hey, Spencer, it's Akila. I'm calling about the Keep It Simple episode. Um, I had two comments. One, the first was you asked, do you overcomplicate your life? And my answer to that was a resounding yes. I had just thought about how I was making things too complicated earlier that day, so I had to laugh. The second was the gentleman from L.A. who called asking about his wife and how to encourage her to go to Al-Anon. And we've had this discussion at a couple of meetings I've been to, and one was how do you support your alcoholic relative, which, you know, maybe they're in treatment, maybe they're not. And the thing that kept coming up at the meeting and the thing that really, really worked well and helped me is tell them you love them and work the steps. Tell them you love them and work the steps. And I think that um, that really has been the most helpful for me because when I approach the people I love about going to Al-Anon, they're not very receptive to it. Although my mom has told some friends of hers about it, though she won't go to a meeting. So, you know, I just tell them I love them, work the steps, and they see the change in me. So whether they go or not is up to them. But it does give them some a way to see that the program is working. Thanks, Akila. Akila left another voicemail after the anger episode, uh, responding to the question about content of the podcast. Hi, Spencer. It's Akila. I'm calling about the anger episode specifically. The the listener feedback you got at the end about the open talk versus how you currently format the show. And I just wanted to say that I like the way you do the show. I think if someone is interested in open talk, there are apps um, like Radio Recovery Network and other places where they can find them. And what the recovery show does that the others don't do is what Pat said is open up conversation. Usually don't get to a meeting. A few minutes to share, the pass, you hear a lot of voices with the consistent um back and forth, like having a co-host, I think it's a really interesting way, and if kind of go deeper into some of the things that we discuss. I also, I do like, um, I appreciate when you do an episode alone, um, just to make sure that we have one, but I do like it when it's more than one person. I think it just adds something a little different, but I don't think that there's too much of your voice or anything like that. I mean, you run the recovery show, so I'm not sure exactly how else we would have it unless you were willing to do it. So I just wanted to throw it out there. Thanks for all you do, and I'll talk to you soon. Love the episode. Bye. And we got uh, an iTunes review this month from Jen, who writes, This is a great podcast that has helped me so much. It's straightforward, easy to listen to, and offers great insight into Al-Anon and how to help yourself. Thank you, Jen, for that. 
iTunes reviews and ratings help those who are seeking recovery to find us. So thank you for your honest feedback. It doesn't cost you anything to listen to the recovery show, but we do have expenses that run about $60 a month. You can help to support us and keep us on the web and in your ear. We have a donation button on the website where you can support us directly, just like Sarah, Elizabeth, Lucy, Larry, Natalie, and Michelle did. And I want to thank both those of you who are regular supporters and those of you who, you know, maybe support when you can, when when you're moved to, or um, I, I know I, there are some people who send in a donation once a year. Thank you for your support in whatever form you give it. Whether it's sharing the podcast with your friends, direct them to therecoveryshow.com, or just listening. We are here for you. Also wanted to just give a shout out to those of you who have been listening, whether you've been listening for a short time or a long time. We recently passed 1 million total downloads from The Recovery Show, and that's in four years. That's pretty amazing. A million. Thank you for listening. The last song that I chose, again, new in 2016, about the beginning of life, is titled Welcome to Earth, parenthesis, Polywog. It's by Sturgill Simpson. And again, you can listen to it at therecoveryshow.com slash 184. I was only able to find a, a live performance uh, recorded by somebody sitting in the front row at a concert. The audio quality seems decent. It comes from an album titled A Sailor's Guide to Earth. And my understanding is that really the whole album is a response to the birth of his son, but this this song directly addresses his new son, welcoming him into life. Hello, my son. Welcome to Earth. You may not be my last, but you'll always be my first. Wish I'd done this ten years ago, but how could I know, how could I know that the answer was so easy? I've been told you measure a man by how much he loves. When I hold you, I treasure each moment I spend on earth, under heaven above, Grandfather always said God's a fisherman, and now I know the reason why. Thank you for listening, and please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. We did not talk about a problem you are facing today. Feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace growing you one day at a time.